0: Welcome to Follow the Data. I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. Maternal mortality is a leading cause of death worldwide, causing nearly 300,000 deaths every year. But the majority of these deaths are entirely preventable. In 2006, Tanzania ranked number six in the world in terms of maternal mortality, which led Bloomberg Philanthropies to partner with the government of Tanzania to increase access to emergency obstetric and reproductive care in one state, the Kagoma region. That partnership lasted till 2019, when the government fully took over the program. New findings show that in the Kagoma region from 2013 to 2018, the institutional maternal mortality rate dropped 43 percent. The stillbirth rate dropped 52 percent and deliveries in healthcare care facilities increased 74 percent. In this episode of Follow the Data, Becky Bavinger of our public health team is joined by Dr. Leonard Subi, the former regional medical officer in the Kigoma region, and now the executive director of the Kibong Oto Specialized Infectious Diseases Hospital, and Dr. Sunday Domenico, the clinical director of Thamini Uhai, to discuss the obstacles women in the region faced to access quality maternal care, and how we used proven measures like upgrading health facilities and training non-physician clinicians to help prevent these deaths.
1: Hello, Dr. Sunday and Dr. Subi. Thank you so much for being with us today for this podcast. I'm going to start with a question for Dr. Sunday Domenico. Could you tell us why you decided to become a doctor and why you decided to specialize in obstetrics and become so passionate about maternal health care.
2: Thank you very much, Becky. I come from a very humble beginning in a village where access to care was a significant issue. And uh, you could only hear and see a few people who were called doctors by then. And they are not as much as qualified as you wish a doctor to be. So as I was doing my early years Education. I had this dream that if I work hard and uh, put my efforts in my science subjects, one day I'll have a dream of being a doctor and be able to save thousands and thousands of people in my communities. I got that chance and uh, went to uh, undergraduate uh, Mwimbir University. And as doing my undergraduate, I came to realize that among all the specialties, there is one this specialty which uh, gives you direct contact to the communities where you would contribute and uh, be able to save more and more. And uh, that's why when I finished my undergraduate straight away, I thought of doing my residence in obstetric and College. And uh, as I was doing residence, I came to realize that just working in the labor ward and in the theatre, you still have no chance of saving more and more women who come at the facilities in a very critical condition. So it was an opportunity for me to contribute more by working in a program which uh, was looking forward to integrate government and the community to bring more impact in terms of reducing maternal mortality.
1: That's great. Thank you, Dr. Sunday. Dr. Subi, if you could also start just by introducing yourself, stating your name and your position.
3: I'm Dr. Reunandi Subi, director within the ministry of health but currently working at kibomoto infectious disease hospital as a director of the hospital i worked at local government authority for almost eight years and six years at regional level but i also worked with the ministry for almost four years and i've been enjoying much working as a physician within the united republic of tanzania where i really face and see the results of saving lives of the community, especially the people who are marginalized and the people who are sick who are in need of help.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Subi. Going back to Dr. Sunday, when we Bloomberg Philanthropies began working with the government of Tanzania in 2006, the maternal mortality rate in Kigoma region was one of the highest in the country. And Tanzania was one of the highest on the continent of Africa for maternal mortality rate. What are the contributing factors that lead to such a high maternal mortality rate?
2: Thank you very much, Becky. To answer this question very clearly, it comes from the concept that was advanced by Dr. Main and and the others, that when you think about access to care and be able to challenge the maternal mortality problem, you have to look at the three delay model. These were issues which uh, were significantly impairing them to seek care, even if care was there. But secondly, when it comes to the second level of delay, which are delay in reaching care, Kigoma is so diverse. It's a region where you have a lot of different uh, topographies. There's a lake, Lake Tanganyika, the deepest lake in the world. But also you have communities uh, which have limited access to care because they are living in settings where they cannot move to another part of the region because of challenges how to navigate around the lake. And then, the third delay now at the facilities. Actually, there are no facilities including the communities which would provide the optimum quality of care because by then, there, were, there was about three big hospitals, the regional hospital and the two district hospitals, which are, were providing care in a, in a population of one million people, close to two million people. There are so many challenges from the community level to the systems, which contributed to the, the the high burden of maternal mortality that was being seen in Kigoma. And also there are issues with the reproductive indicators which we are not performing well in Kigoma compared to the rest of the country.
1: Thanks so much, Dr. Sunday. And you ended with a very important point about lack of human resources for health in these remote areas in the country. So turning to Dr. Subi now, the program was really built on the government's plan of task-sharing maternal health care to allow non-physician clinicians to provide certain health services for both maternal health, but also other areas in in health. Could you tell us more about this plan, this task-sharing plan, and why it was adopted and why it's so crucial to solving the problem that we were seeing in Kigoma of lack of human resources to provide emergency obstetric care?
3: Oh, thank you again, Rebecca, for that good question. We understand that the issue of human resource shortage, especially for health, is a crucial across the globe. Uh, Tanzania also has been facing a challenge of shortage of human resource. And uh, Kigoma was also among of the most region that was really disadvantaged by having very, very big shortage of human resource. So in doing that, we understand that when Brumbach Philanthropies through uh, the Rang Foundation project when it came into Kigoma, there was a very nice approach that was used and this was task shifting and task sharing approach. This was one of the best modalities where non-physicians were trained and then after also we are mentored to provide services that could be provided by specialists at rural areas. So Broomberg Philanthropies did a good job on this support through the project that was granted by Werd Lang Foundation later on the High project. The task Shifting and task sharing was adopted by the government of Tanzania the Minister of Health by coming up with a better guideline, especially on these areas of uh, maternal, newborn, and child health. Where non-physician, but like assistant medical officers, were given a mandate to do emergency cesarean sections. These are big surgeries that were being done in a rural setting, but also at risk level and other areas. So this was one of the wonderful areas where majority of women were really served. So we have a lot of evidence, like what Dr. Sande has said, that if you recall the Kigoma example, if you recall Baka Kigoma, during the last 15 to 20 years, the maternal mortality was more than 1,000 per 100,000 live birth, But of today, Kigoma, the maternal mortality has gone less than 200 per 1,000. So from 4-digit to 3-digit is a significant change. And one of the best approach that was do- done is the issue of task sharing and task shifting, where physicians were trying to mentor and train uh, non-physicians, clinical officers, to offer anesthesia work that could be done by an anesthesiologist, but also AMOs were given a task of doing emergency science section, of which could be done by a specialist like an gynecologist and an obstetrician gynecologist. So you see nurses also were trained on good nursing care, how to manage theater issues and others.
1: Thanks, Dr. Subi. And It was really great to have the government partnership during this program because we can't solve the human resources for health issue as a private philanthropy. We really need government sponsorship and partnership to make this work. And it was a bold policy that Tanzania put in place. And we were just really you know, fortunate to be able to have such a strong partner in the government, one that was so visionary in providing maternal health care in remote areas through this program. So thank you for all of the work you've done while the program was going and even now to ensure that it continues. Dr. Sunday, turning back to you, when you were talking about the three delays model, which is so helpful to understand why there is this lack of good quality maternal health care being provided. One thing that stands out is that women are delaying seeking care in the first place. And so we as a program try to address both the supply side as well as the demand side. So on the supply side with the government partnership of the task sharing, we were able to train assistant medical officers and nurse midwives to provide the care. We also renovated and equipped the public health facilities in order to provide emergency obstetric care, including cesarean section. But we also included the demand side. So trying to create more of a demand from the community for these services by employing community healthcare workers, running media campaigns through the different media channels in Kagoma, could you tell us more about those components of the program and why it was important to include both in order to reach our goals of increasing skilled birth attendance and, therefore, reducing maternal mortality?
2: This program was one of the very programs that was endowed with the data. Initially, in 2006, when the program was starting, it was so much focused on uh, ensuring that there is care. As I mentioned earlier, actually these facilities were not there at all and the, the, the uh, community members had to travel distances and distances just to be able to get the right care. So when the program started, to just concentrating on making sure the facilities are there, build infrastructure, equip them, and after that, ensure that those infrastructure and equipment, they are used by the people with the right skills, commitment and the confidence to be able to offer the care. So as we went on along the course of implementation and uh, evaluated, studied, we came to understand that after years and years of implementation, only perceived delivery came to increase uh, from around uh, 41% when the program was starting to around 60% after years. Like it was a a journey of about six years. So we went back and then sat down that, okay, we have built a lot of these infrastructures, but still communities are not coming to utilize them. And then we went back to ask ourselves, do they really know that these facilities are there? And do they understand that? What does it take to to, to be able to seek care? And it's when now the program had to incorporate a very important component of demand creation. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, Becky, we had to utilize multimedia. When I talk about multimedia, we had community health care workers who were actually selected and build capacity from within their communities. They are known and trusted by the community members. We had an army of uh, over 100 community health care workers who are based in the villages. And then uh, we also had some campaigns through the local radios, national radios, which we ran a lot of adverts, as well as program, which radio programs we are talking about. Women knowing about the danger signs, individual based preparedness, and they went to seek care. And they went to to consult and plan for the next uh, pregnancies, family planning and everything. So to put matters in in, in simple terms is we had this demand creation integrated into already improved services. That's when we saw deliveries skyrocketing from what we had initially a 20% increase in the course of six, seven years to subsequently we we had a jump from around 60%. The time the program was phasing out in 2018 study, we, we had derivatives going over 80%, which was a significant, massive change in a cause of about four years of intensive balance between demand and supply side. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, to ensure that this continued to be working and operating, this HWs of course continue to work, but the program invested significant on advocates for sustainability to make sure these ingredients continue to operate as part of the program. Thank you, Becky.
1: Thanks, Dr. Sunday. And yes, I remember when we got the data that the facility delivery had increased a little, but not by much. We were all a little disappointed because we felt like if we built something, then people would come. We were offering good services. The providers were there. The facilities had been upgraded with operating theaters, but still the community was not coming as much as we wanted for their prenatal care and their deliveries, we remember going through those data with you and Dr. Subi with you and realizing we needed to increase our work in the community to increase demand. Speaking of data, Dr. Subi, I wondered if you could tell us a little more about how you, when you were the regional medical officer in Kagoma, helped create a data system that allowed us to accurately measure outcomes in maternal and newborn health.
3: Through going to the communities and the health facility, where we corrected data apart from the routine data, we understand some uh, challenges with the routine data. However, also we conducted different surveys, where by uh, we increased sample one year, year one, and but if you go to the second uh, to the next survey, the sample was uh, significantly increased, and this is the one that gives us confidence. Uh, about uh, how did we manage to improve uh, maternal newborn and child health services in the Kigoma region. So this data system that was being used was a manual work initially, but later on uh, we introduced it, the system, the computerized system. The, this was a digital form But uh, still manual work has been done because electrical system, the issue of internet services, computer are not at every facilities. So facilities were collecting data based on the catchment uh, population of the facility, but also the village that are being saved by that specific facility. So what they have been doing that we have community data, but also we have uh, facility data. So all of them were integrated and to come up, with a comprehensive information about the facility and then we are sent to the district through the district health information system we call DHIS 2 uh, and this is the place where we can capture uh, maternal death uh, child death and others that were just happening however challenges still remain there through this data that's why we were supplementing with a really scientific data
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Subi. And yes, it was a very extensive work that the CDC did in collaboration with the government to track down every possible case of maternal death in order to get that accurate picture and going to every single health facility. I think it was 177 health facilities that they went to for this survey. It was an incredible amount of work. You know, you Have always been such a passionate advocate for expanding access to healthcare, but also you've been a really great partner. And it was such a privilege on our side to be able to partner with the government of Tanzania, knowing that you were leading the region as the regional medical officer and would be with us every step of the way to ensure that we were using the data to drive our decision making and really, like you said, including the community to ensure that they were going to benefit from the services. Dr. Sunday, you've also been such a committed and passionate partner and advocate in implementing the program. One thing that has always stood out for us at Bloomberg Philanthropies is the emergency hotline that you helped create, whereby the assistant medical officers who were on duty could call and consult with an OBGYN, oftentimes, you personally, Dr. Sunday when they were in the middle of treating a very complicated case and they were unsure how to proceed or they wanted a second opinion before they proceeded with delivering treatment. Could you tell us a little bit more about that hotline and whether it's still open and active today?
2: Thank you very much, Becky. Thank you, Dr. Subi, for describing a very wonderful partnership that was existing in Ikigoma. So as it come to uh, emergence hotline, we understand that uh, we made a gamble, I would say, by task-shifting, by training the non-physician clinicians to be able to offer quality care and be able to continue saving lives of uh, women and newborn in Kigoma. Now, making that this plan works, it needed a lot of intensive follow-up and communication between the newly trained experts who were to offer critical care, uh, emergency care, and the very experienced doctors who are working in, in big hospitals. So to ensure this continuation, so there are a lot of ways that we developed. One of them was an emergency call system. And this emergency call system was built in a way that whenever we visited the facilities for mentorship, support supervision, we built those in-person communication and the linkages by the providers exchanging contacts with the visiting experienced obsteticians, or gynecologists and, and anesthesiologists or senior practitioners who are visiting them so when they exchange those numbers then they continue consulting and calling them when they encounter complications so it came to 2015 that we wanted to formalize this relationship that okay you, we know you're communicating but now make, let's make this official so we prepared emergency call rosters that every single day there is an obstetrician gynaecologist who is on call to be consulted by nanny physician clinicians, and other healthcare providers who are working in the facilities. And then we established a toll-free call where they would call freely so that they don't have any extra cost to call. And had teleconference devices distributed across different facilities. And in some facilities they just use a normal mobile phones making some of them use the table phones just to make sure that they can communicate at any point in time. So it was a very nice experience. I remember in some cases I would be traveling in, in, in very remote settings and then you get a call. So I would stop with the driver and then listen to this call. Some of them are very complicated. Someone is in theater getting difficulties and then you can discuss and then you find options. And then in the evening they tell that this uh, mother is doing very well they become very happy and, and, and comfortable about that so it grew and it grew over and over again and we have an, we had an network of uh, eight obstetricians countrywide. some of them were based in kigoma and others were in, uh, in big uh, hospitals like zone hospitals national hospitals as well as teaching institutions who are being consulted from time to time now this relationship continues it never dies so even today, I got a call from colleagues in Kigoma, and we continue communicating now and then whenever they get complications, and it had grown all over the over.
1: Thanks, Dr. Sunday. It's truly an incredible system that you set up, and it's really encouraging to hear that it continues in a more informal setting, but that there is still this opportunity for assistant medical officers and other providers to get input and guidance from more experienced doctors. So the program was transitioned back to government ownership in June of 2019. And since then, we understand the government has continued to implement most of the program elements. So I wanted to ask you about that. Maybe we'll start with Dr. Subi. if you could tell us more about how the Ministry of Health and the work that you're doing is helping sustain the program within the government health system and What other lessons you've seen other regions from around the country take from the program?
3: We have seen that a number of lives have been saved. That is the most important. And we really appreciate the government of Tanzania by scaling up communications infrastructure in almost all the districts, all the regions and including all the words whereby internet access is there, telephone access is there, mobile telephones are there. So this has really saved a lot. We all understand that infrastructure-wise, millions of people now in Tanzania are using telephones, and you can even easily reach them through their phones. So this has been one of the wonderful approaches that also we say that uh, Bloomberg contributed also as a learning model how you can use EH or telecommunication approaches to save lives. That's why now the minister also introduced a WhatsApp group in every zones of the United Republic of Tanzania.
1: Thanks, Dr. Subi. That's great to hear that they've taken those lessons from the program and implemented them nationwide to benefit more people. Dr. Sunday, the same question for you, but more of a focus for Kigoma, I guess. What does maternal health care look like now? How have you seen this program be implemented in other parts of the country?
2: Uh, thank you very much. One thing that uh, has been happening is uh, from the work that was done in Kigoma and other parts of the country, mainly led by the Bloomberg supported program where we had CMOC being done at a health center level, uh, over the past four or five years, we have seen nearly 500 health centers being upgraded to see more capacity countrywide. And uh, we have seen the government recently embarking on quality of care, which was the main song that we are singing at the program, especially towards the three, four, four years at the end of the program. So these are the lessons which uh, were learned from the work that was done there. And the ministry had ears to listen and see how much evidence is coming from the field, and then taking that on board to be able to, to scale country. Another significant change that came out of the work in Kigoma is uh, the birth companionship model, which started as a pilot under Bloomberg and Partners support, and then it came up to be part of the national guidelines. And we have seen the Madam President Mama Samia Sulu-Hassan, has been advocating this, That is a time that we, we have birth companionship, especially allowing uh, husbands to be able to be with their partners during the critical moment of labor and delivery. So those are some of the lessons which has happened from the work that was was done in Kigoma. So they are still very much on track in terms of the interventions and approaches. They are doing very good in terms of ensuring that the facilities are offering quality of care, clinical audits, and support to the rural facilities through mentorship, support supervision, I've uh, been like to be part of the, the western zone as well as the, the regional group in Kigoma. So that work is going on. Now, making things more, uh, more, more fast and, uh, and, and, and and I would say more sustainable, uh, we, uh, Bloomberg Philanthropies from last year supported my secondment uh, as being a, a program lead for the maternal health component of the program for eight years. So it was government opportunity to see how much I could contribute and work together with the very experienced expert of the ministry in terms of what was done in Kigoma, incorporating what the government was thinking in terms of further scale-up. It has been an amazing time with me. Uh, I would thank Dr. Subi for making this happen. Uh, he was always uh, pushing that we need to learn from the work in Kigoma, and Dr. Sande being at the center of that work may be a, a useful person to come and work uh, in, the, in the ministry.
1: Thanks, Dr. Sunday. That's so encouraging to hear that things are still happening and women are still being able to access the high quality care that our program worked so hard to get up and running in Kigoma region. My last question for both of you is just to give us a sense of what's giving you hope in your work right now. What's encouraging you? What's keeping you motivated to go to work every day? Dr. Sudi we'll start with you.
3: Oh, thank you. It is encouraging to see things happening and also being taken by the government based on the evidence that we see on board, especially at LULU and the local level, where partners like Bloomberg Philanthropies who supported the SimOCO services that has been now over over the country. As of today, more than 500, almost 500 health centers now are providing CMOC services in the United Republic of Tanzania. And these are based in rural facilities, so massive construction has been taken care of. Uh, this is also a good model, is a good start to ensure that we provide services across the communities. But second also, now uh, the government of Tanzania, through Honorable Umi Imwarim, our health minister, She's much now emphasizing on the quality of care. Nothing says you know, we cannot continue construction anymore, but we have now to focus and put more effort uh, equipping facilities, but also sending healthcare workers, and also seeing that professionalism is being practiced at all levels. So this is a good move. When we were working with engender Health, we also introduced the issue of family planning, but people were also much moved to access services to plan for their own families. If you go to Kigoma, you find families having 10 children, eight children, for them it was normal and it was really courage. However, also the chance of dying was very high. So through these interventions, that's why now today we are talking Kigoma as among the regions with low uh, maternal deaths in the United Republic of Tanzania.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Subi, and would love to hear Dr. Sunday's input as well. We've had a lot of meetings, and I think what we all agreed to is use the data to help us drive our decision-making. And like we talked about earlier, sometimes the data were showing us things we didn't expect, and we had to course-correct and change our strategy a little bit. But we did everything in partnership, and that's what made it so successful dr sunday over to you for your the final thoughts final word um for the podcast about what's giving you hope in your work right now
2: uh, thank you much, very much becky i am so passionate about maternal health i'm one of the strong believers of working systems so what's giving me hope now is if i look at uh, what the minister as uh, just dr Subi was saying our excellent uh, minister she's so fo- much focused on the quality of care and this comes out from evidence data data is telling us we have access to care already but the quality of care in those facilities need uh, some significant improvement so uh, that has been uh, talked about the, by the minister but it's not just talking the policies if you read the health sector strategic plan which uh, five which came out last year and the subsequent uh, plan focusing on uh, reproductive maternal, newborn child and, and adults and health the one plan three which also was launched by the Honorable Prime Minister last November. This document, they tell you that the ministry, the country, is focusing on the issues at hand, quality of care. So if I see that focus, being a programmer and someone who has uh, an experience working on the ground, I see we are are taking the right direction. And uh, finally, we have the very committed president, I mean, uh, Her Excellency Madam Samia Sulu Hassani, in the very first speech that she, she made on the parliament when she was coming and the president she says she the, the, the issue of maternal health is deep down in her in her heart something that she thinks she sees and she has been saying that almost after every other day she talks about how much she need to see uh, more women and women surviving so together we we believe that the future is bright and we continue working very hard making sure that we put the right policies on the ground. Make sure that people continue to be committed, but still, we invite more and more partnerships and support to do this work together.
1: Thank you, Dr. Sunday. And indeed, it is very encouraging to hear that the government is continuing their support and even expanding and increasing their support for high quality maternal health services through the the Strengthened One Plan version being updated all the way to the top of your government, the Honorable President making such strong statements. So really encouraging and um, we cannot thank you both enough for your commitment to ensuring that our program was so successful and then taking the lessons from the program to implement them nationwide and continue benefiting more and more women and girls. Thank you. And this concludes our podcast.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Many thanks to Becky Bavinger, Dr. Sunday Domenico, and Dr. Leonard Suby for joining us. As always, the views of our guests are entirely their own, and Bloomberg Philanthropies hasn't independently verified any of the statements made by this episode's guests. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Amy June, Devin Alessio, Erica Goodmunson, Amanda Mack, Jean Weinberg, Nina Prasad, Brittany Santagata, and Adam Wolfbrandt. I'm Katherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.